What's up, everybody? I'm JJ John J. Stramski. And I'm Jason Goff. And if you haven't heard, The Ringer has gone local. I'm bringing the fire. I'm bringing the rain from the Big Apple with my show, New York, New York. And I'm repping Chi-Town with my new show, The Full Go on All Things Chicago. We've got episodes three nights a week with all the reaction to the local teams and guests. Plus bonus episodes around all the big games and storylines. So whether you're uptown, downtown, in the burbs, or a transplant. Make sure you follow New York, New York, and The Full Go on Spotify or wherever you get your podcast. This episode is brought to you by Viore. If you're sick and tired of your old traditional workout gear, then I have two words that will change everything. Viore clothing. This line of active wear is truly unbelievable. And here's why. Look, you've seen me. You've seen the shorts I do on YouTube. I walk around. I do stuff. I listen to podcasts when I walk. I make calls when I walk. I like to wear comfortable workout equipment, you know, like nothing nuts. Just like a really nice pullover, comfortable pants to walk around. Viore is designed to work out in whatever you're doing, but it doesn't look or feel like you're working out at all. It's so freaking soft and comfortable, you'll never want to take it off. And here's the best part. You don't have to take it off. Wear Viore clothing to train, travel, or lounge around the house. I do a lot of lounging around the house. Go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet. Our listeners get 20% off their first purchase at viori.com slash ringer, V-U-O-R-I.com slash ringer. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Kia's first three-row all-electric SUV, the Kia EV9, with available all-wheel drive that sets the pace and seating for up to seven adults with zero to 60 speed that throws you one moment and available lounge seats that unwind you the next. Visit kia.com slash EV9 to learn more. Ask your Kia dealer for availability. No system, no matter how advanced, can compensate for all driver error and or driving conditions. Always drive safely. Hello and welcome to Baseball Barbecue, the only podcast on the Ringer Podcast Network. Previewing Fast and Furious 10 featuring whomever was driving the hashtag fast bus at the Atlanta Braves parade. I'm Jake Mintz. That's Jordan Schusterman. Fast bus. Is that a real thing? Um, what? Is, is there another Fast and Furious coming out? I'm sure there is. Oh, okay. That's just, you're just, you're just kind of putting it out into the world and assuming that's correct. That seems fair. Uh, yes. The last time we podcasted, we still didn't know who won the world series. It was the morning of uh, game six and since then, the Braves won, they celebrated, they had a parade, the bus drove really fast, they went home, free agency started, and we don't have a lockout yet. So, lots to Alex, get to. Alex Anthopoulos still in isolation, I believe. Alex Anthopoulos. Yeah, was he at the parade? I'm not sure. Uh, anyway, we obviously uh, have lots to get to in our first podcast of the offseason. We are going to celebrate those uh, Los Bravos uh, and the fast bus <laughs> that carried them to Cobb County. <laughs> um, we are going to tell you our 15 free agents that we are excited about, not necessarily the or most intrigued by, you know, not necessarily just, you know, Carlos Correa to Nick Castellanos. We're actually going to give you the ones that we care about the most. And we're going to say goodbye to Buster Posey. Uh, and then at the end, we're going to do a little awards chatter as we got the gold glove winners and the MVP, and I know, Jake, I know you care about Manager of the Year, so we're going to talk, probably spend 25 minutes on Manager of the Year uh, at the end of the pot. Um, but yeah, that's that's the plan. I'm excited to be back here recording a podcast with you, Jake Mintz. How are you doing 
Are you excited to to get into the off season? This is got to switch our brains over. There are no games going on. More like the on season, Jordan. The way that I'm attacking this period, you know, you can't, you can't. I don't like calling it the off season, okay? Because then you're going to be off. We'll mm. be off our game. Right. Really, it's I would call it the alt season. Maybe I agree, and I, you know, we've made the point. There's still plenty of baseball going on. Of course, we're watching winter league. You know, KBO playoffs still going on. But the point is, is well, that well, let we me are ask gonna, you, Jordan. Yeah. What is the worst time mm-hmm. of the baseball season? Let's right. I'll give you a two week stretch. Which two week stretch of the baseball season mm-hmm. do you dislike the most? I have an answer, but you can oh, go. Oh, first. I thought you were gonna present the two two options. So I mean, I think it's it's the first two weeks of February, right? I mean, that's yeah. that's the answer. That's that's the answer where it's like I'm literally like looking at the clock, like when can it be the next day? And then the next day, and then pitchers and catchers report. That's really when I'm thinking about it the most. You know what it really is? It's like, okay, so the Super Bowl happens, and everyone's like, baseball season. But then it's usually another 10 days, and those 10 days just feel like the longest 10 days in the universe. There's my answer. What, what would you say? And you have to sift through like Tom Brady as the GOAT chat on Twitter during those. I actually hate these couple weeks, Jordan. Mm. Okay. Because I know there is winter ball going on, but it's it's the beginning of the winter ball season. Sure. It's true. And I just find myself on the off nights really struggling to transition out of like the intensity of the postseason. Definitely. To like, oh, I guess I'm gonna cook every night again now for myself. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I, I have time to read transition. books again. Cool. I could do that. It's just jarring. And I think it's the time of the year where people get mad about awards, mm-hmm. which you and I don't particularly care for, mm-hmm. uh, and nothing uh, interesting happens. No, that's that's totally fair. Uh, and we'll see if the, if the GM meetings, you know, bring us some actual moves to talk about uh, next week's pie. But we don't have any, you know, besides Andrew Heaney, which we're going to get to. We don't have any huge <laughs> transactions just yet to discuss. Uh, so let's begin. With where we we last left off last week, right before Game Six, previously on baseball previously barbecue, baseball barbecue, uh, we were in Houston, Texas, and we thought we were going down to Minute Maid Park to see the Astros force a Game Seven with Luis Castillo. Luis Castillo. See now I'm fully in winter ball mode. <laughs> Luis Garcia, <laughs> Augie lost eighth inning legend Luis Castillo. Luis Garcia against Max Fried. And Max Freed, after getting his ankle stepped on by Michael Brantley, like 10 pitches into the game, was like, actually, I'm fine. I'm going to throw 98 miles an hour and give you one of the best performances of the postseason. The Astros offense uh, had nothing going. And Jorge Soler hit one of the coolest home runs we have seen in some time. And the Braves won 7-0 and they won the World Series. It was very cool. We were there. It was the first World Series clincher that we have ever been in the building for, which was very cool. Uh, and, uh, and yeah, I mean, I know this feels like 50 years ago, but the Braves won the world series and it was pretty dope. You made a good point, Jordan, that maybe it's recency bias, but Jorge Soler having three iconic, memorable, uh, world series home runs feels notable. He had the one to start the world series first batter of game one. He had the one, the line drive, the Jordan maybe could have, should have caught it, but not really Homer. And then he had the one to Neptune seal the deal in to seal the deal in game six. And I think he's going to get paid a little bit more because of it. And we'll get there. Uh, on-field celebration, our first time as important enough media members, as Bobby said, it, the elite media uh, on the field after MSM, I believe. MSM, uh, the team wins the uh, World Series. What were your takeaways from just being amongst the madness? Uh, yeah. 
after yeah, that. Yeah, it was pretty surreal, I got to say. Um, so we basically got to go on the field pretty much right as the, not like as soon, I know that there's like photographers and people that run on like basically with the the dog pile. Uh, we were not in that group. But basically as soon as the celebration on the stage began, uh, you know, the rest of the the normal media folk got to come out. And yeah, I mean, it was it was just kind of, you know, the, the expected chaos. But it really wasn't those those immediate moments after where they're on the stage and they're, you know, they're they're listening to, you know, Kevin Burkhardt and Manfred said, oh, congrats. They give the and owner the, the trophy. The Braves owner. You give the owner the trophy. And everyone's like, why is the owner holding the trophy? It's for, give it to Freddie Freeman. Okay, so we do all that. That wasn't that interesting. It was really everything after. It was the lingering after. And I have to say, um, that for all the annoying, and uh, this was still true to this moment of how much they were, you know, chopping, which was annoying, but the Braves fans showed out for game six. I mean, there were a ton of people still there and, and that made, you know, made a lot of sense. They were going back expecting to win it. I think, I know we weren't there in 2019, but from what I remember watching on the broadcast in 2019, it, it seemed like probably three or four times as many Braves fans in Houston, uh, this year than Nats fans uh, in Game 7 in 2019. That makes sense just based on the context of the series, but there were a ton of Braves fans still sticking around there. And, and th- that was cool. That made it that made it more of a... It kind of helped the fact, you know, it, again, it was what, the eighth year in a row that the road team has won uh, the World Series um, So or has clinched on the road. Um, and so, you know, it was cool to see the Braves fans still there. And then, yeah, just seeing just the random family members around and seeing people who look, I know you tweeted this, but like seeing Austin Riley's dad, not that we'd ever seen Austin Riley's dad before, but it was like, like, oh, well, that's, that's, that's obviously Austin Riley's dad, uh, you know, combined with the, you know, all the other, the friends and family and former players, you know, seeing Eric Young Jr. was there because Eric Young Sr. is on the coaching staff. Like it was- it Jason was Aldean was on the field. <laughs> Mallory Pugh was there, which was Mallory honestly- Pugh. Was on really the field. cool. <laughs> and then uh, who else was on the field, Jake Mintz? Probably the most stunning um, person that we had no uh, oh, yeah. anticipation uh, that would be there. And I don't think anyone else could guess because this is not necessarily a friend or a family member of anyone on the team. But um, Brody Van Wagenen was on the field. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to be breaking news here because it was really weird to me that no one tweeted about this. But he was very much on the field. Now, as everyone knows, he is an agent again. He's just back pretending like the Mets GM tenure never happened. I'm um, taking pictures of, I believe it was Eddie Rosario, who I think is with Rock Nation. Uh, and it was like, oh, it's yeah. <laughs> it's It was jarring, but it's also like, to me, it's also not that jarring. Like, he's an agent. It's weird because he, he used to, you know, run the team that, if he had done a better job at his old job, he wouldn't have been there that night. It's like <laughs> well, a way to was, think about it. Right? That was the jarring part is it's like we spend – you know, the World Series was spent during the day talking about the Mets GM, and then at night you would go watch the World Series, right? So <laughs> to, to, to <laughs> after the game, when it was like, oh, Mets GM, that's that was the guy that was hmm. just last year. It was it feels like 50 years ago. Last year, remember? On the, the secret leak tape talking to shit oh. about Manfred? Like, that was not that long ago. There was amazing. Uh, so. You know, Jordan, one of my favorite things in the world is watching athletes cry from joy yeah who did you see who who did we get tears oh, from i know i said this to you in the elevator on the way up but i was close to tears i was welling up a little bit i mean oh yeah who who, who steven who vote hugging his kids man i mean oh, for me that's a good one that's a good steven one obviously, crying, hugging the kids obviously jeff mathis oh here here was a one of my favorite moments um this was towards the very 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 end uh when we were sitting around waiting to do dugout trash review and i saw brian snicker comes off the the fox set and his, I believe his grandkids were there. 
and and Troy Snicker was also like poking his head out after you know losing from the Astros dugout. So that was cool. From the Astros dugout. But I think one of one of Snicker's grandkids like comes over to him and he's like, uh, when like when is the party over? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, this guy, and he wasn't like complaining, but he was just like, kind of like, how long is this going to last? I'm like, oh, you're, you're, you're in it for, for a while, buddy. Like this was probably like a six or seven year old kid. It was very cute. And, and Snicker was just like laughing. And he was like, oh no, this, this party is just getting started. So a lot of great moments, uh, obviously very excited for the Jeff Mathis's and the Jeffy, Sh- Jesse Chavez's of the world to finally, a Steven vote to finally get their ring. Uh, and then, and then honestly, like. Freddie, man. I mean, it was so freaking cool. Yeah. You know, to see Freddie, you know, to see Charlie Freeman there. Um, and and I think it, it was definitely a reminder that we did uh we probably should have had him on our top five. Who do we want to see win a Yeah, it was a miss. It was all about Freddie, as it should have been. So yeah. Uh parade talk. So parade, you know, yeah. the team wins the World Series and the parade happens. How do you generally feel about parades? Because for me, I find that a lot of the parades run together that um the parades are more for the fan base that wins, obviously. But to me, nothing really distinguishes one parade from another. Oh, there's a clip of, you know, iconic player catching a Bud Light and shotgunning it on a <laughs> on a bus. It's like, well, yeah, we see that every year in every sport. Right. You know, I don't, I don't, that doesn't <laughs> do not, anything. It's not a unique move. That's not a new move. Well, legendary Dansby drinks, you know, bad beer. It's like, okay, yeah, it's fine. Right. But for me, this... I will remember this parade for two reasons. One was the cop trying to arrest Tyler Matzik, which <laughs> like can't write that stuff. Which apparently that was, and if you want, the, the clip is very brief. Apparently he had, again, obviously they're all hammered, had basically somehow wandered off the bus and was just kind of like <laughs> zigzagging through the streets to which the cops were like, who is this guy? Zigzag- Why isn't this guy on the bus? Um, and if you if you watch the video, you can kind of see Matzik as he's like stumbling, like basically try to pull out his yeah. badge that says "I'm Tyler Matzik." <laughs> I okay, they gotta have wristbands first of all. Second mm-hmm. thing, if you're yeah. a cop deployed to this beat, you need to be able to recognize every player on the team. At least in Tyler Matzik, like at least Tyler Matzik. If, if you can't, like, oh, if okay. it's Drew Smiley, <laughs> if you can't pick out Drew Smiley in a in a hat. And jeans, fine. That's a, whatever. I get it. Right. But we got to, you got to know Tyler Batsik. Got to do that. Anyway, That's so that was one moment. But then that oh. was that, that was upstaged greatly. Fast by a, a four second clip. Um, <laughs> <It's> <laughs> I need to pull it up again. I actually haven't watched it since day of. If you haven't seen it, it is, it is fast bus. Um, it's just a bus with some players on it going faster than a bus should go first of all but faster than any parade bus you'll ever see it looked like it was trying to catch a yellow light right right (laughs) that's a good way to put it and i think it's a combination of that and like again when you see a bus in a parade like it's driving like literally three miles an hour right so slow Maybe right, and and that that's the point, right? It's it, it's it, a parade, right? Like think about if you think about like the, you know the Macy's Day Thanksgiving parade, they're going so slow because the whole point is that everyone is looking, and I know they're not on like these elaborate floats, and it's just a bus, but we're all trying to look at the things on the bus, right? And to just see, and now okay, now here's my guess, or here's my question to you: How fast is the bus driving? That bus. Because yeah, because my 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 question 18. about fast bus is 
you think it's going 18, which again, if that's way faster than three to five, which is how fast it probably should be driving. What are the feet per second on the bus? <laughs> Call Petriello. 30, 30 is elite. I don't know if you knew that, um, but I don't know what elite 30 is. 30 is elite? 30 is elite, yeah. Um, I think, <laughs> oh, easily. I think easily. This is an above average home to first time. Above average downtown to Cobb County time. Uh, bus is a seven runner. This video, by the way, this eight second clip from a Twitter user with 22 followers has 4 million views. Because <laughs> the bus is going fast. Now, again, it was a pretty long parade route because they had yeah. to go all oh, the yeah. way out to Cobb County, which, again, I don't know if you just are tuning in, friends, but it's far from uh, actual Atlanta. Not sure if you saw that on the news, but that was certainly part of it. I heard from people who were there, sources inside the Braves tell me that not all the buses were going that fast the whole time. And that fast bus is merely, you know, uh, an aberration regarding the overall average velocity of the bus. This needs to be, by the way, uh, a physics problem in Atlanta high schools right. now. Oh my if God. The hashtag Great fast point. bus is going 8.2. How long will it take the bus to arrive at Truist Park from? Bingo. Yeah. I love that. Um, I just encourage everyone to search fast, bu- just search Braves bus on Twitter. And the, the memes are just, mm, mm. Tracy Chapman, right? Fast bus. And, and honestly, like not to get too like, sound like I'm an old person on the internet, but this is truly the best kind of meme. This is number one is the one where there's no reason you cannot possibly anticipate it. And then suddenly it's everywhere. Uh, I love it so much. So anyway. Uh, the Braves had uh, their parade. Uh, happy for Freddie. And, Could um, Terrence Gore beat the fast bus? Ooh, I think so. Home to first. Uh, well, home to first. The bus is already halfway down the line. <laughs> so that's tough. Um, but uh, top speed, you know, it's probably pretty close. Uh, need, any, need to get the else? exclusive interview with the driver. Anything. Right. I know. I actually I'm seeing when I search Braves bus, there's another separate video. Unless this is from the other side and the brave bus was a different color. That's that is another bus moving pretty pretty quickly. So <laughs> scooting. I don't know. Can you confirm that fast bus was not a false flag? Like can you Ooh. do you know that this was not a, a different bus? CGI bus? CGI technology oh, is incredible. CGI from this bus. user with twenty two followers. Fast bus yeah. a deep fake? Mm, deep, is this yeah, not true. maybe just elaborate promo for Speed 2? Keanu's still got the fastball, so you don't know. Speed 2 happened, I think, and it was right, terrible. Speed, I don't know, seven? How many speeds did they make? <laughs> speed 3 featuring Guillermo Heredia out in theaters this December, this Christmas. Speed 3 colon fast bus, <laughs> comma, Atlanta, Georgia. Oh it's cheap God. to now- film there. Oh, there you go. That's that's the whole that's the whole thing. <laughs> uh, all right, wasn't Stranger Things filmed in like rural Georgia? Everything's filmed sure in Atlanta or all Vancouver. Right. Anyway, Jordan. Um, look, actually, before we move on uh, to uh, free agency, any broader thoughts about just like the Braves winning the World Series? Because you know everyone's like, all right, are people going to take? What are they going to take away from this? And it's, to me, it's just the same thing that that quite simply. We don't have to overdo it and be like, oh, every team should you know, do this. Every team should do this. I mean, the Braves had so many weird circumstances. But honestly, it's the lesson that I, I was saying you know, earlier in the playoffs. It's just like, if you're in it, it's not that hard to improve your team. It's just not. Like, go get just average players. You don't have to you know, mortgage the farm. Like, at least 
show and at the very least you will very much um make your clubhouse happy right i mean this was the best case scenario they hit the 99th percentile of what they did at the deadline pretty much and that included richard uh, rodriguez being absolutely horrible yeah um, okay Here, here's yeah. the thing every time a, win, a team wins a world series it doesn't always mean something for the general flow of where baseball where major league baseball's at Everyone saw the 2015 Royals and was like, oh, small ball back. And look where <laughs> we like, are never now. Never mind the ball's juice. Let's hit home runs. LOL JK. I think my takeaway from the Braves is that having old guys are is good. I think that the 2019 Nats taught me that. I think the 2021 Braves taught me that. Don't build the whole ship out of, you know, two by fours that you found, you know, at the dump. Like, don't build it all out of old guys. You need some youth. But, like, having people who have experience and knowledge about the game is key, whether that's, you know, on the field or we talked about, you know, Jeff Mathis, Stephen Vogt, uh, Tomlin being around. I think that is is valuable and important, and I would expect that trend to continue. And then, yeah, just giving a crap at the deadline. If you're in it, all you need is to get hot for three weeks. The Braves were not a good baseball team for three months out of the year, you know? Yeah. And then they were like, oh, we're going to we're going to make some moves. And and that's just every team, not every team, but like I think fit 10 to 15 teams a year couldn't do this. They can't win the World Series, but you can put yourself in a position to get lucky, right? The A's, the A's, I know they went out and got Starling Marte. I understand that. The A's could have done this. They could have done moves to put themselves in a position to do this. And they didn't do that. Yeah. I mean, they kind of did and it just didn't work. I mean, the players they got were good. You know, they got Gomes and Harrison and whatever. But um, yeah, no, I, yeah, that's they, yeah, there, the A's, there are other teams. Right. A's, A's about yeah, example. There are other A's teams about that could have done more um, that didn't. Right? I mean, dude, you could say the freaking Mariners. <laughs> Mariners, <laughs> like, honestly, I mean, the Mariners. If the Mariners had Jorge Soler or someone else in left field besides Jake Fraley and Dylan Moore, you know, I know, I know, it felt like the Mariners end of the season was a success, but it was still a very yeah. you know lackluster team. Right? So. The f- the Phillies, sure. too. Yeah, there's, you know. there's a lot of examples. So, again, it, it went about as well as it possibly could have. Um, so I'm not sure there's too much to learn from it. But in general, it's just, it's just cool. It's just cool. It was, it was a cool it – was, it, was it, it was a fun World Series team, I, I got to say. And I, I, was, I was so focused on you know, being right about picking the Astros and, and Dusty winning um, that it clouded what was a, a much cooler story uh, than the Astros winning. I give – here's my review. I give the chop an F – I give the players and the Braves fun level a B plus, and I give the World Series games themselves a C. <laughs> yeah, I give baseball as a sport an yeah. A. I plus. Yeah, baseball as a league, B minus. All right, maybe lower. All right, <laughs> Lee Dome A. <laughs> Let's move on to as we said. I know. Okay, fine. Let's just call it hot stove season. Let's call it transaction uh, mania. We move on, and I and look. Obviously, if oh CBA, okay, we're not there yet. We'll have other conversations about that at some point. The point is, is that free agency is here, and even if free agency might not really be getting started, it will happen at some point. These players will sign at some point, whether that is in December, January, February, March. These things will happen, and we do have all of our free agent rankings. We know who is officially a free agent. We know who got qualifying offers. We know who didn't. And so we are going to tell you the 15 free agents that we are most intrigued by. That does not mean the 15 best, most intrigued by. But before we get to those, we have to start with the first bombshell of the offseason. Andrew Heaney, Ken Rosenthal, 
dropping the news before we'd even turned his Twitter notifications back on. We didn't even do that, so I totally missed. I, I there was probably a solid ten to fifteen minutes uh, last yeah. night where I was just going about my life and didn't know that Andrew Heaney got eight mm. and a half million dollars from the Dodgers. I, I was just end of an yeah, era. I was just end of an era without knowing this, but fortunately, I opened up. And Jordan, can I tell you yeah. something? That's okay. Okay, thank you. Uh, Andrew Heaney, <laughs> yeah, okay. who uh, by the end of his tenure in New York um, had managed to uh, acquire more haters in 35 and two-thirds innings than I can really imagine any Yankees pitcher has in a long time. Most hated Yankee in recent memory? I mean, it's, pe- you know, Gary gets a lot, of, a lot of hate, but like if you're thinking about Yankees that the Yankees fans just disliked so extremely. I guess J-Hap at times probably was there, but never yeah, this bad. This- um, now, let's be clear. Andrew Heaney just got, you know, eight million bucks from, you know, a very smart baseball team, right? The Dodgers looked at Andrew Heaney and said, okay. And it's very easy to be like, oh my God, what? Yankees fans are like, this is crazy. It's like, Andrew Heaney is not, is is just not that bad. As much as we want to think that Andrew Heaney is like literally the worst pitcher in the universe, he's he's not, right? He's got a more than above average strikeout rate. He doesn't block that many guys. He just gives up a shit ton of home runs. And when you give up a shit ton of home runs, that is a great ticket to being disliked by any. This is true for closers, right? Giving up homers is the quickest way to be despised by a fan base. And Yankee Stadium is a pretty good place <laughs> to give up homers, right? Heaney, the Yankees got him and they were like, they love the peripherals. Maybe we can tweak some things and, and you know, lower the home run rate and fix him. They tried to do that in the middle of a uh, postseason double race where he was rate. pitching <laughs> double the home run rate, where he was pitching important innings for a team in the hunt with a lot of pressure in a park where home runs, you know, are a dime a dozen and it didn't work. And it was you know, a horrific that's not Andrew pitch. Heaney's fault. It's not like, I mean, part of it is probably Andrew Heaney's fault, but part of it is, you know, the Yankees thought they could fix him. And and they couldn't. And now the Dodgers have a whole offseason and a whole spring training to do it. And uh, Jordan, over under postseason innings pitched Andrew Heaney. 2022. <laughs> for next, 2022. It's uh, five and a half. Yeah. I mean over, right? Yeah. Like I again, if you look at the Dodgers rotation, there are actually some real question marks there. Like there's a reason they're going out and getting ahead of this. Um and sure, I mean, I'm not I I I also think that this is maybe a little too far into the into the big brain ten thousand IQ we can fix Andrew Heaney territory, but like again he doesn't stink he's just not this bad he's just not right and yeah. and if there's a team that can probably coax a little bit of better if even league average performance out of him which he basically had been in Anaheim uh, it's probably the Dodgers. What's the the Sam Miller tweet is love this trade for the Rays who'd they get who'd they give up it's the same thing yeah. it's love this signing for the the Dodgers. How much was yes. it? Who'd they get? Yeah, it's pretty much. So Remember, uh, for every weird. Corey Knable, Jordan, there is Danny Duffy. For every Brandon uh, Morrow, <laughs> there is Cole Hamels. I will say, um, I also can understand Andrew Heaney being like, oh, $8 million? Like, right now? Yeah. Okay. Like, why, why wait? So, good for him. Uh, all right. And we don't have to talk about TJ McFarlane. But let's get to our free agents that we actually are intrigued by because I don't think Heaney or TJ McFarlane would have made that list. Uh, can I just say two quick things? First of all, happy MLB trade rumors uh, homepage season. Shouts out. Love that. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's I mean, a that's big. That's where we're living. That's where we're living. And I, I, you know, every site's got their top 50 free agents and shouts out to all of them. Uh, I went on the MLB trade rumors one, Jordan, and I control F'd for um, 
Orioles, right? I am a Baltimore Orioles fan. They're not expected to be in the mix, you know, because they predict where players might go, who might be a fit. So I typed in Orioles and control F uh, four times. The Orioles were written out in this piece. Uh, and I just want to note them very quickly. I'm just going to read the sentences in which the Orioles are mentioned amongst the free agents. Quote, Gossman began his career with a solid run for the Orioles. Okay, so that's not what we want. <laughs> that's um, not relevant to free agency. No, okay, uh, what's next? Rodriguez joined the Red Sox at the 2014 deadline in a trade with the Orioles for Andrew Miller. Nope. Mm, nope. 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 Not okay, good. let's take a look at Alex Cobb. Uh, here we yeah. go. In Alex his, Cobb. Well, he, he could go back, right? In his time with the Rays and Orioles. Mm, nope. And then last but not least. Oh, just a side bar that says Orioles rumors, uh, of which apparently there are none. So uh, I want to assure everybody that I will be looking at this offseason from an unbiased perspective. If you oh. listen to me and you say, oh, he's Orioles stand, he can't, he's got the goggles yeah. on, just know that I don't right now. Which the goggles I are off. say, as we do this quick little bias ball action, I will be in the opposite camp Bingo. as I search Mariners and I had 27 results, <sighs> including multiple predictions that they will be signing Chris Bryan and Semyon and DeSclafani and Alex Wood and Steven Matz and no, oh, okay, Kikuchi and all kinds of crazy stuff. Oh, Scherzer even gets a mention. Chris Taylor. Okay, so I will be coming at this from a very frantic, oh my God, the Mariners have $100 million to spend. Who are they going to give it to? But I will maintain my objectivity as best I can. Mariners offseason will surely be a topic on this podcast as we move forward, but we will save it for another time. So let's get to our 15. We're going to do this pretty quickly, but oh, Jesus Christ, half an hour in, we got 15 to go. Hey, we're going to keep this, we keep this snappy. We're going to basically give you the elevator pitch for each of these guys. We have ranked these in order of intrigue, right? We have gone from 15 to one, the ones that we care about the most. And before we hop into it, just got to say, shouts out to everybody who's not on the list. Freddie Freeman, I know you're listening. You're not on the list. There are some people we didn't put on the list. Freddie Freeman, I think he's just going to go back. Same thing with Stroman. Honestly, same thing with Gossman, Kershaw, Trevor Story. I feel like I haven't watched him play in a year and a half because he was injured and I didn't watch any Rockies games. <laughs> These are good players, right? Yeah. Like, obviously, we are. it's not like we're not going to talk about it when they sign. But in terms of like the, the anticipation, the... The intrigue, the, oh my God, where is he going to go? I don't feel that with story the way we do with some other ones. I would also just mention, there's one other one we should probably mention. There's Yoannis Cespedes. I know he hasn't officially retired. It's uh, also still technically a free agent. So we just wanted to mention him. Felix Fernandez also in that in that bucket. Uh, but they're not in the 15 because we haven't seen them play baseball in a while. So just wanted to throw them out. KT, future KT Wiz legends. All right. At number 15, Jordan, Javier Baez. Javier Baez, uh, people know about him. They really do. And you pointed this out to me yesterday that if you look at his numbers on the Mets, he was pretty good. If you just scrolled on Twitter, you would think that he hit 120 and struck out every other plate appearance, which he did. Uh, anyway, here's why the, the 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 way I'll put it too is, and you know, he led the league in strikeouts uh, again. He didn't. He walked 28 times, but he had 31 homers. He still played good defense. Great. And. If you are in Bobby, I do want your opinion on this too, because I'm actually curious how much you want Bias back in New York. But like Bias is consistently a top five selling jersey in baseball. He has been for like five years running now. And if you're just asking, you know, the average 10-year-old baseball fan, they want Javi Bias more than probably anyone else. I mean, honestly, right? He is he is one of the most popular players for as frustrating as he can be to watch flail at pitches seven feet out of the zone. 
he is electric and he is he can do things that no other players can. And, you know, the ceiling is still amazing, uh, but the floor is quite terrifying. Uh, Bobby Wagner, we obviously are very intrigued to see where, where Javier Baez goes. How are you feeling about it? Well, first of all, I want to um, slightly alter Jake's characterization of how Mets fans actually felt about Javi because I think that that was accurate for the first you know three weeks that they got him, and that also happened to coincide with the only three weeks that the Mets were still in contention because the bottom absolutely <laughs> fell out. But basically, after that, that, he was phenomenal, and it was pretty much acknowledged as such, especially by the Mets booth, which I think that also creates like a feedback with the Mets fan base because they respect and revere that booth so much. They were so so complimentary of not only just his power and the pop and the obvious raw tools that Bias has and has shown for his entire career in the major leagues, but also just like the little baseball IQ things about like the way that he rounds a base, the way that he does ev- all of the small things perfect that allow him to showcase some of those skills. So I think that actually Mets fans are, I, I think, reasonable about um, their expectations when it comes to who Javi Baez is as a player. But Reasonable? But, you have a whole section of the fan base that's like, why would we spend all this money on this guy who's flashy when we just spent all this money on Lindor and that's already a wasted contract? You already have those people coming out of the woodwork. They basically came out of the woodwork as soon as the trade happened because there there came to be rumors about Baez because he's best friends with Lindor. I would love to have Baez back. I, I'm fully in on yeah. that pairing those two together and just having it be a rising tide rises all raises all boats however that phrase goes because i think that those two guys seriously you know say what you want about chemistry and how much that actually affects winning you couldn't even leave all of that off of the table those guys skills complement each other really well and not just defensively because they're a great double play turn but also because like Baez is this like free swinging homer hitting guy and Lindor doesn't need to be that he's shown that he can be a lot more patient and take a lot of more pitch a lot more pitches and work whoever is starting up on the opposing team a lot more so I I like the pairing together I don't know if Baez wants to just play second for the rest of his career maybe he would do it for Lindor but yeah he, here, here, here's my thought if you're concerned with Baez is he's too flashy I mean we that's that's racism and, and not like yeah. you know legitimate critiquing a flawed baseball player. If my concern with bias, which is just what does he look like at 32, 33 when the bat speed and the quick twitch is gone? Because obviously the baseball IQ is off the charts, but the baseball IQ only like it's allowed to manifest because he's a freak athlete, right? So like the, if you think about the iconic play against the pirates, he's only really able to do that because he's so, both because he has the you know the mental ability and the perspective to do it, and but also because he's a freak athlete. And when when that and the bat speed starts to fall apart at age 32, 33, I don't know what you're left with. And that's my worry more than like what he is next season. I agree. Uh, he's only 29, though. I, I can see him. I mean, I don't think he's going to sign like a 10-year deal. No. Uh, I don't think anybody's going to offer that for him. I, I've seen some people theorize maybe a one year and then he returns to free agency in his 30 age 30 season i'm not sure that he would do that i think maybe closer to like a three year but a lot average annual value is more like what i what i would expect him to want um if he's not going to get like a super long offer and i would be okay giving that i think this is a situation where you know maybe this is sometimes flawed logic but you know everyone says it only takes one it, it's, it would not surprise me if one team is like still completely in love with Javier Baez and like what he's capable of. Um, 
And I, I agree, I still would be stunned if he gets like a long, long, long-term deal the way we think Seager and, and Correa will. But yeah, I mean, but again, you know, he gets there and in August he has a 671 OPS and in September he has a 981 OPS. And that was true for the whole season, month by month, 780, then 855, 604, 910, 671, 981. Like that was by month. <laughs> That's so weird. It's almost like he just remembers that he's supposed to be amazing hobby bias. Like for a whole month, he's just like, ah, just kind of, it's like how I feel sometimes about my day to day. You know, I just get through these ruts to go through these stretches or I'm just tired and then I just lock so, back in for a month. Yeah, so I think he, I think some team will be like, no, this dude's freaking unbelievable. We got it. We got to bring him in. And if it's the, the Mets on a shorter deal, I think that would be totally reasonable. All right, let's go to the 14. hobby discourse. Yeah. Is really quickly the hobby discourse in New York is just like the Odell Beckham Jr. discourse all over again, where the guy is actually good and actually talented, but also is a quote unquote flashy player, and so it gives these people all of these opportunities to make bad natured arguments about him. That's that's the category of Mets fan. I don't know if you watch Big Mouth Bobby, but that's like Andrew Glaberman's dad. Is where how I think about that. Um, okay, at number 14, Kyle Schwarber. Uh, Kyle mm. Schwarber uh, was blah in 2020, and then he was blah in April of 2021, and then he was God in May, and then he got traded to the Red Sox, then he got hurt, and then he was even better with the Red Sox than he was with the Nats. In my mind, Jordan, he took over the postseason, but he didn't. He actually was very good in October. He just had a very iconic Grand Slam uh, with the DH probably becoming universal next year. What are your thoughts about Kyle Schwarber? Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, like I said, it feels like he took over the postseason. I mean, he did homer in the wildcard game and in the DS and against Houston. So he had one in each round, so it felt like he was always there. But I'm just looking at a freaking 148 OPS plus. Like, this is the full... Schwarber experience even when he had been good at times in 18 and 19 in Chicago we're talking about you know 117 122 OPS plus like good not great hitter and that's the kind of hitter that the Cubs were like okay you know it's still crazy that they non-tendered him but it was like all right like we can find something like this it was still really cheap I'm not excusing it but looking back it's like okay fine you think he's a DH and we don't have the DH yet and we don't have we're not really going anywhere with him like we're just going to non tender him. Stupid, I agree. Frank Schwindel, Frank Schwindel did what Exactly. Like, you know what like, I mean? Okay, a 1 a 120 yeah. place, fine. But if we're closer to 148, you know, 150, which again was always kind of what we thought Schorber was capable of in healthy in a full season, then this dude's a huge deal especially if we have DH in all 30 teams and he's the kind of bat as we've seen can get hotter than basically anyone else on the planet and he seems to fit in basically I, he seems to fit in basically wherever he goes. Like, I know it's, you know, we only have three teams, but like he was seemed to be a perfect fit in Washington. He was a perfect fit once he got to, to Boston and why I wouldn't be surprised to see him stay in Boston. And I think any team would be very, very lucky to have him. I'm a huge Schwarber fan and uh, I think he's a real deal. And I think he's, he's, he's really kind of figured out how to be, you know, one of those top power, power bats in baseball. And I'm, I'm excited to see if someone really shells out for him this time because he's in the category of like, okay, you don't want to pay me yet? Like, now's now's the time. Uh, Brewers. I'm going to say the Brewers for every team. Brewers, go do it. Uh, at <laughs> 13, yeah. Starling Marte. Starling Marte w- will get MVP votes, or maybe not, because he was too good Ooh, yeah, uh, in both leagues at the same time. Mm-hmm. So Marte started the year in Miami, was outstanding, uh, missed a bit of, of time, was then traded to Oakland, where he was equally phenomenal. He is a weird case because he's 33 years old hitting the market um, and his game relies on speed. So he's kind of like an older dude 
with a younger guy's game. He's absolutely yoked. He steals uh, more bags than anybody. And like, if you want to nail down center field for the next three, four years, like this is about as good as it gets, especially in a market where there's not another true center fielder available. Right. Here's another take I have about him, Jordan. Mm -hmm. I think the Roids guys, I think it lasts. Now, I have no proof. I'm not a doctor. I don't know anything about biomechanics or whatever. But I just, I don't know, man. Like, if you take that stuff early in your career, I think that has a lasting impact on your ability to age. Um, and we're not going to get in the morality of that, but that's just my two cents. He was suspended in 2017, right? So this was now, we're now four years removed. Yeah, I don't know. I don't want to go speculating on that stuff, although I think there is some cre- credence to to that take. Let, um, let me say this. If, if you're like, who do you want age 33 to 37? Guy A, guy B. They have the same numbers. One of them got popped for steroids five years ago. One <laughs> right. of them didn't. I would take guy A. Yeah, that's, no, that's what I'm saying. That's, if you put it that way, I, I can't totally disagree. I think the thing I'm most interested with Marte is just that like, he has been an awesome player for a long time. And I know that those Pirates teams did have some postseason runs. But he has been you know one of the better outfielders in baseball uh, for you know at least you know four or five years now. And he's done it in Pittsburgh, Arizona, Miami, and Oakland. And so if he does sign with the Mets or the Yankees or I don't know who, whatever big market team who's like, oh shit, Starling Marte is awesome. There will be a lot more people that really understand how good he is. Um, and I think that's, that's going to be really cool. So I am uh, intrigued to see if that's the case or if it, or if his market is suppressed because he's a little bit older and people don't trust the lady ends up back on another team where it's not as high profile, but he's, he's still awesome because he's Starling Marte. Uh, all right, who is next on our list? Speaking, of, I mean, okay, we'll start with Marte, 33. That's really old. Okay, let's talk about Nelson Cruz. <laughs> Nelson Cruz, who, uh, again, is more, I believe, more than double the age of his teammate Wander Franco um, in the second half of the season. Nelson Cruz will turn 42 next July uh, in the middle of the 2022 season. And you saw Nelson Cruz, you saw the last at bat of Nelson Cruz's season this uh, this year in Boston uh, in the ALDS. And he was not looking great. Um, he honestly was not great for most of his uh, Tampa tenure. Uh, again, you know, it was only 55 games, but only a 725 He had a crazy, OPS. like, two-week stretch in September. He had, he had a little bit of a run, but overall, the numbers did dip. Uh, from and, and you know again you can't you know in Minnesota nine oh seven OPS right where right where it's been the last five years, uh, but it did start to dip and really this is a situation I know we've said this about Cruz for literally five years in a row now, but you, at some point the cliff will come, and when you're this old it is a cliff it is not a gradual decline, and that's kind of how I've always felt about Cruz is it's like he's gonna do it until he can't. Until like it's just gone. It's not going to be like, oh, now he's an average hitter. And when you're an average hitter where it's obviously providing basically zero other value, uh, it's going to be tough to argue that you should still be in the market. Now, someone will still it sign is, him. I think he'll still get a decent amount of money. But I don't think it he's is, getting multiple years like he had, like he did in Minnesota. Yeah. It is worth the risk being the team that signs washed Nelson Cruz. That will happen to someone. One day, a team will sign Nelson Cruz. And he will for to a one year deal, and he will play for them, and he will be bad, and it'll be like, damn, that was a bad contract. But it's really not because it's only one year, right? But that's a risk every team should be willing to take. Is that about to happen? I don't know. I mean, that's that's the thing. I I am intrigued. Whereas, like with Minnesota, when Minnesota, when he signed the deal with Minnesota, and then and then back with Minnesota, like 
it was like, okay, like this team is a, exactly, he's a good fit. He, they know him, whatever. I just, this is a hot potato situation. And I don't, I'm curious if the best teams in baseball are still willing to take that risk or if it's going to be more a team closer to the middle where it's like, you know what, this isn't going to make or break our season, um, but it could give us some upside. One year deal with a team option. And then the third year is a manager option, a coach <laughs> option. So like if the, the team can can pick up the option and he as becomes him, your hitting coach in year three. Mets? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's the leader manager. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know, man. Right. I, especially yeah. off of my take that you needed old guys. I would I would give Nelson Cruz uh, <laughs> a two-year deal. Sorry. And off of your take that you need guys that test it positive. All right, we move. That's to what I'm saying, Kenley dude. Give me old steroid users. I want cons- sign Kinseiko. This episode is brought to you by Lincoln in the all-new 2024 Nautilus Hybrid, featuring a customizable 48-inch panoramic display, available Revel audio system and available perfect position front seats with active motion massage. Oh my God. The world isn't wide enough. Visit lincoln.com to learn more. Some models, trims, and features may not be available or may be subject to change. Check with your local retailer for current information. Lincoln and Nautilus are trademarks of Ford or its affiliates. This episode is brought to you by NetSuite by Oracle. As your business grows, you might start seeing some lag. There's too much work for your team, too many different processes, and it takes forever to close the books. If this sounds like you, you should know these three numbers, 37,000, 25, and one. 37,000 is the number of businesses that have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. It's a cloud financial system that can help streamline accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, and more. 25, that's how many years NetSuite has been helping businesses do more with less. And one, because your one-of-a-kind business deserves a customized solution for your KPIs. It's like when you come here for this podcast or when you check out your favorite website to gather all the info you need to make better decisions for your fantasy leagues. Well, NetSuite does that for your business and then some. It's one efficient system, one source of truth with everything you need to grow. Right now, download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com slash ringer. That is netsuite.com slash ringer. This episode is brought to you by hotels.com. If you're busy like me and you're trying to catch your kids' games, it's important to have somewhere where you can go to find a good hotel. We're all over the place. Sometimes, you know, we're in Florida, we'll be in New York. You want to take the wife on a quick vacation and get away. Whether you're looking for a relaxing getaway or heading out of town to see the playoffs, Hotels.com app has a perfect hotel for every trip. Compare up to five hotels side by side so you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings without having to switch back and forth between options. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. We move to Kenley Jansen, um, who is uh, number 11 on our list. Kenley Jansen has has done the impossible, which is be a closer for a long time and never really be bad. Yes, he appeared to be declining a couple years ago, but in those seasons, he was still saving 40 games a year. And yes, I know that's because he was on a good team. His ERA was still around three. I know 2019, okay, 371. We thought, okay, Kenley, there we go. All right, but look, he was still striking out 11 per nine. FIP was still three and a half. Totally good closer, right? And then, and then even last year, I was like, okay, we'll see, a little shaky Kenley. And then, my goodness, this year, he basically looked 
at least stuff wise, I know the numbers weren't as dominant as, as, you know, 13, 14, 15, but stuff wise, I mean, basically as good as we've ever seen him. And I don't know how the fuck he did that, but he looks amazing. And now he's going to hit the market again. The, the other rare thing is a closer to sign a big free agent deal and then reach free agency again. Uh, and we just cannot fathom him being on another team, but I also think that it's very possible because how many more years do the Dodgers want to put resources into him? I don't know. Maybe, probably, probably a few more, but we'll see. The Dodgers have those, the four main free agents, right? Mm-hmm. Kershaw, Kenley, Taylor, Seager. Yeah, we're not and counting Scherzer in pools. Like, I mean, I, Scherzer, Scherzer is one of them, but like, we're not counting him in the, in the group that we are associated with the Dodgers. Correct. And I think of those four guys, that's the order of likelihood they'll come back. Kershaw is the most likely. That's why we're not even talking about him because we just think he's going to come back. Kershaw, Kenley, Taylor, Seager. I think if if they bring Taylor or Seager back, I think Seager is basically gone. But if they bring Taylor back, it lessens the likelihood that they would bring Kenley back. But I think they'll prioritize Kenley, and I just can't picture him throwing anywhere else. Uh, last thing about his season this year, Jordan. You know when on a broadcast, like John Smoltz says, you know, first time through, you really only want to use your fastball. And then the second time through the order, you mix your off speed in. Kenley basically did that, but like on a career scale where for a decade he was throwing one pitch and then he was like, I'm going to mix it up this go around. And, you know, that's why he was good. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's not rocket science. Well, yeah, I was going to say. So, right. He like started throwing the slider more. I don't remember exactly what. What the difference? He only was. threw fifty-eight percent cutters. This oh, year, it's only which is absurdly right? high, but is he was throwing a lot more forcing fastballs uh, and a lot more off-speed, and it raises the question: Could Mariano Rivera come back as with a full kitchen sink and get outs? Mm-hmm. Probably. That's a yes. good question. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Jansen, eighty-four percent cutters in 18, 74 in nineteen, sixty-two in twenty, and then fifty-seven in twenty-one. So he's like, oh wait, are we allowed to throw other pitches? All right, cool, I'll do that. Uh, Kenley's awesome though. His, I mean, geez, I, I is one of the more crazy. Um, it's it's not like he's that old, but he's been around for so freaking long to be a closer that long is, is really wild. Uh, all right, let's move to our next player. And that is Zach Granke. A lot of old guys on this list. We got one more coming up after him. Let's talk about Granke who just came oh so close once again to a world series, uh, to no avail. Um, and he has obviously already made a ridiculous amount of money in his career. So it's not like he's like looking at so to cash out. Now that doesn't mean that he's not going to go to the guy that gives him the most money, but, uh, Granky being the, uh, fascinating human that he is, I think we were all intrigued to see, uh, what is next and also what is left for him because he was actually pre- before he got hurt, um, and I think maybe he was on the COVID IL, but he he missed a good chunk of time in the second half of the year and obviously never looked even, even close to the same once he came back. Although I will say he basically was as good as you could have possibly asked for him in the World Series. Okay, so this is what I was going to say. Granky gets COVID in September, the beginning of September or at the end of August. Before that, he had a 366 ERA in 159 innings. 366 in 159. Now, his BABIP was higher, or sorry, his BABIP was lower and his FIP was higher than that. But that's a Granky thing all the time, right? Is he outpitches what's expected of him? And when you're throwing 89 miles an hour the whole year, like, yeah, your FIP's going to be a little bit high. I think he is a good fit for a team who's got a good defense. If I was the Cardinals, dude, mm-hmm. I would give Granky two years. I'd give him two years at whatever AAV he wants, put him with that 
all-time good defense and just let the balls in play turn it out. Man, I, then he could pitch in front of the six gold gloves in one season banner that they're going to hang in St. Louis. That's exactly too. correct. That I would mean, really, I mean, that might be inspiring for Granky. Can you imagine the, game so much. the Granky Yachty mound visits? I mean, hmm. who is like, that is like too much. That is too much baseball IQ on one mound. I don't know. I love the great. idea. I don't know who their pitching coach is going to be if Ali Marmol is going to bring in a new guy, but I love the idea of it being like Ethan Katz, like first year, like late 30s pitching coach. Younger than the pitcher and the catcher with, you know, two decades, four decades less of MLB experience. And you're walking out there and it's like, uh, keep, keep going, boys. Maybe he'll, maybe, uh, Brent Strom will head to, uh, St. Louis. I know he said he's not coming back to Houston. So I'm telling you, you need to sign old guys. Um, I think Granky is still a usable, durable four starter. He is a type of guy who should be throwing innings like two through four in game four of a postseason series. And that's fine. Our expectations for him, he was, he is not as bad as he looked in the postseason. He clearly did not get to ramp back up after he got COVID and spent the time. But I also think that like giving any team 171 innings of average, you know, 416 year, right? Like that is worth paying for. Like we just, there just aren't that many guys that can give you innings. Um, and he can do it. He can still do it. If the Cardinals had that, like, do they win the division? Probably not. <laughs> but I asked the question. At number nine, another formal, another Cardinal. I Probably guess. No, will I'm not kidding. be going to St. Louis as much Albert, as people want him to. Albert Pujols. Um, he's not going to St. Louis. So let's review. Okay. Pujols signed a 40 century deal with the Angels. He had like, I think, a year and a half of being good there. Then he was average for four years, and then he was abysmal for a number of years. Okay. He, in 2021, he starts with the Angels. They cut him. He goes to the Dodgers. He becomes uh, a lefty masher. He had the best WRC plus weighted runs created plus against lefties in all of baseball. There was no better hitter against lefties in the world this year than Albert Pujols. In the postseason, he looked completely cooked. Now, part of that is because he was facing better lefties than he was during the regular season. Tyler Matzik is not the same as TJ McFarland. No shade to TJ McFarland. Albert Pulse is now in Lee Dome in the Dominican Winter League, playing for the very first time for Leonis Del Escojito. So far down there, I believe he is four for 23. All four of those hits are singles. Let's start with the question, if he sucks in Lee Dome, can he play his way out of a job? Do you think, obviously he is down there to to show people he can still do it, but what if he can't? I mean, I think he's still going to get an invite to spring training no matter what. But like, I if he's this bad, I don't know if he's, I think he's going to have to cut himself off at some point. Like, I don't know. I think if he does hit essentially like 150 for the next month, like they have, he's got another whatever, 30, 40 games. Like, that's not good. I, he could maybe play himself out of a out of like a major league contract. It's possible he wasn't going to get that anyway. Um, but I don't know. I, I it's, yeah, it's not good because honestly, why wouldn't you be watching this? Like you, especially if you. I mean, I guess teams are just never going to let him face righties anyway. But it's still not a great sign. Like they, you know, and 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 I, it's weird. That's why I feel like I know he wanted to. I'm sure him living out the dream of finally playing in the winter league is way more important than him trying to prove himself, right? Um, and so it's 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 ridiculous for me to be like, oh, he shouldn't have done that. He should have just sat at home and someone would have signed him. But uh, yeah, I can't imagine it's helping. 
I, yeah, he, and he doesn't pass the eye test, right? He hasn't passed the <laughs> eye test since we were in high school. Well, he hasn't passed the eye test for a while. Yeah. And so he, if he goes to camp, like, what are you looking for? Right. You're looking for his ability to, you didn't pass the eye test this year. Like what do you, I, I'm worried. I think you're right. Someone will give him a shot. Would you give him a five-year deal or a six-year deal? What do you think? <laughs> well, that's the thing. I, I was what I said about Cruz earlier. Like, I just am most intrigued if a good team is willing to do it based on the fact that they're like, well, shit, the Dodgers didn't have worked. Or if it's just like, I'm sorry, we can't, we can't be handed at bats to pools. Um, so yeah, you it's know what? Absolutely one of the most intriguing. You ones. could also see a situation where uh, the good teams kind of say, not for us right now. You let him sign to the bad team and you see what he does over the first two or three months of the year. And if he's raking, you make a deal for him. And if he's not, you just get Jordan Luplo instead. Yeah, I guess. Uh, and then just just a reminder of like, oh my God, like why is he still coming back? There's all, he's he's done all there is to do. Uh, our pools currently sits at 679 home runs. He is 17 behind A-Rod. Um, obviously more than that behind Babe Ruth. Uh, but yeah, I mean, if this is it, you know, could he hit 21? Could he get to 700? Could he pass A-Rod? Could he, could he hit 18 home runs? Um, I think probably yes, if he gets enough. If I'm the Rockies, this if I'm the Rockies and I suck and I'm going full retirement home, Pujols road to 763 because the, you know, the Marlins <laughs> did this with Ichiro. At least road to 700. The Marlins did this with Ichiro, right? They brought him in. He got 3,000 for them. Everyone loved it. If I'm the Rockies, I'm giving Pujols a four-year deal for for $7 million, And I'm saying, you're here to break the all-time home run record. We have no other purpose for the next half decade. And everything I do is geared towards hey. breaking. Okay, think about it like this. This is a real question. Eh, not really. But it maybe is. If you're the Colorado Rockies, the point, eh, the 1% chance that Albert Pujols breaks the home run record in the next four years playing for you. Is that a better shot of uh, that or you winning the World Series in the next four years? And what's better well, for Well, I franchise? was going to say that if they did commit to that, I'm not sure I can answer <laughs> that question, but I can say that if they did commit to that, at least they would be committing to something uh, and committing to a specific direction. I would at least understand what the Rockies were doing. And that would that is worth something. So maybe they should do that. You're right. Uh, Pools hit 17 homers this year in uh, about 300 plate appearances. So can he hit 18 um, to pass A-Rod? Yeah, probably. He gets a chance. Four more years, baby. Imagine, imagine if the Rockies signed Albert Pujols for four years, John Gray over would be over here like, what the hell, guys? I was just trying to get something. <laughs> John Gray, yeah, it is weird because John Gray like freaking loves it in Colorado, but someone else is going to pay him. All right, John Gray's not on our list. He is not our next player. Our next player is Seiya Suzuki, a outfielder for the Hiroshima Carp. In the Japanese NPB. Uh, Seiya Suzuki uh, just turned 27 in August. He is the second youngest hitter available on the market, uh, barely older than one Carlos Correa. He hit 38 home runs in Japan this year. He has been uh, a top five player in the second best league in the world for the past five years. He was the MVP of the Premier 12 tournament a couple years ago. He has performed on the national stage or the international stage. And now, uh, somewhat surprisingly, is being posted a little bit earlier than some expected uh, by the Carp and is now uh, one of the ultimate mystery boxes of this free agent class. And it is very excited. It's very exciting. And it, because 
it is, you know, obviously risky. And also you can dream even bigger than you can for a lot of the other guys in this market. The biggest risk, and, uh, yeah, the biggest risk yeah. with any player coming over from another league is fastball velocity. Sorry for any, for any hitter, because the average fastball velocity in Japan, I think it's around 90, 91 miles an hour. We're over here, it's around 93, 94, right? And that's a big difference. And whether or not Suzuki is going to be able to make the adjustment to that will define his career in MLB, right? And that's not a thing that anyone can really know until it happens. And what that means is there's a ton of volatility about what he could be and what teams think he could be. I am fascinated by him. I watched some highlights this morning on YouTube and I'm in. I got to say, I'm, he just look. <laughs> he looks, he looks the part, he looks, he looks the, the part. part, man. The dude is stacked his upper half. I mean, I would say he looks like Bobby Wagner. I mean, with that upper half and I, <laughs> not the football player, not the football player, the podcast been working producer. on it, been working on it. We, yeah. Winter. Yeah, we know. Bulking. Come on. Yeah. I, I think the, the, the other thing I'd say about Suzuki and, and I know we had, you know, we had Hassan Kim come over last year uh, from the KBO and KBO is certainly a lower level, certainly a lower level of pitching, especially um, and Hassan Kim was also very young. He was only 25, and he was an infielder who presented good defensive value, and he did play great defense uh, this year for the Padres. Um, but the offense was, was a bit of a struggle. He showed some flashes. Now it's going to take some time for him. I think I still believe in Hassan Kim could be a good player. But Suzuki, um, the, the, the level that he's performed at a, in a better league with more power, w- who looks more physically the part, right? Kim is a great athlete, but he's not necessarily built in the way where it's like, oh shit, this dude can hit like 25 homers in the big leagues, right? We're, we're still skeptical of that. Um, but the thing that I remember thinking about with Kim, and, and Kim got got a good, a decent amount of money, is just we have so few uh, players of precedent. We, we just don't, we just, it's such a small sample. We want to say, oh, well, look what happened to Akiyama. Oh, well, look what happened to Otani. Oh, well, look what happened to, you know, I mean, of course, Ichiro, right? Okay, we go back to Matsui. But it's, especially on the hitter side, we just don't have that many that we can compare to. You know, recently, we've got Sutsugo, where it's been a very inconsistent sample. We've got Akayama, who's gotten the chance, and he's been really, really bad. But he also came over when he was 32. So that's very different than coming over when you're 27. Um, you know, and then other than that, it's just a very small sample size of hitters. You know, we had Kawasaki for a bit there. <laughs> we had, uh, we had uh, you know, Iwamori for a bit there but it's just not that many guys so to pretend like we know what guys are capable of adjusting to it's ludicrous we, we have no idea uh some guys can and some guys can't the only things that you can ask for a player to be on the offensive side suzuki is that right he is young he has hit for meaningful power over a number of years in the second best league in the world if you're looking to bring a hitter over from asia this is what it looks like right and that's all you, that's all you can do that's it Defensively, he doesn't bring as much value as, you know, Akayama or Kim did or, you know, guys who play at the middle. He's an average corner outfielder. But from an offensive side, I mean, oh, yeah. Uh, Yeah. It will be very very interesting to see who pulls the trigger on it. Uh, One thing to think about, I saw a great stat about the Mariners, that the Mariners have had a Japanese-born player on their team every single year since 1998. And as of now, with Kikuchi hitting the market, they do not have anybody on the roster. So, I mean, it's both silly to speculate, but it's also, you know, 23 years of precedent of, I mean, obviously a lot of that is Ichiro, but, you know. Film <laughs> no, that's true. Obviously, yeah. Iwakuma. And yeah, I would just say the the other uh, the other thing that, that makes uh, players like Suzuki so intriguing, and this was true with Kim last year, is that presumably, since he is so much younger, 
the market should not just be limited to the teams that are ready to win right now. Whereas most free agents were talking about like, okay, well, if we're going to sign them at 2930, we want to win immediately. Um, like the I'm Rangers, sure is, yeah. the Cubs. Cubs, right, exactly. Like, you know, you know the Detroit, Nats, Kansas teams City. like that. Yeah, like that's, that's so it just opens up the market to someone. And I know last year, Kim ended up going to the Padres anyway, but um, I still think that, well, Padres. <laughs> we thought they were going to be good. Remember that? Um, so I think that opens it up. And that that's also what makes him one of the more intriguing guys. All right. Who is next on our list? Carlos Rodon, friend of the friend of the show. Um, he's currently, Jordan, he, um, he has eggs on his farm. He's sending me some eggs in the mail to sample. So I will let you know how that goes. Uh, Carlos was not given the qualifying offer from the Chicago White Sox. He will now hit the mark. It's, it's a double-edged sword, right? Because on one hand, it feels like he maybe wants to go back to Chicago. It was where he, you know, helped they helped rebuild his career. But on the other hand, now he doesn't have the qualifying offer attached to him. And so his market will be a little bit more robust than it may have otherwise, because there's no draft pick uh penalty there. He was injured and uh ineffective for a few years. Then this year he was probably the best pitcher in baseball in the American League, best pitcher not named Jacob deGrom for the first half of the season. Then he kind of lost gas down the stretch and only threw 28 innings in the last two months. Jordan Schusterman, do you think he will get one year with a high average annual value to help him prove that he can be durable? Or do you think he will take a longer deal with low, like a kind of suppressed AAV to capitalize on maybe he'll be healthy two out of four of those years or three out of four of those years? Yeah, I mean, this is a really tough spot. I think it's really telling that the White Sox weren't even willing to 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 give him that qualifying. I mean, to 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 have that option for one one year eighteen, like you would think that that wouldn't be that risky, right? And if 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 they're not willing to commit to him long term, fine. Like I I can sort of understand that based on his injury track record, but that I mean that's that's telling and it's and it's disappointing. At the same time, like you said, you know when he's been pitching. He's been he he's looked just unbelievable lately, and and obviously the teams are going to have to know if if they're worth that. Now he's a he's a Boris guy, and I don't know if that makes him more likely to go after the high AAV and believe like, all right, no, like I can do it for a full season. Because last year, remember, he was non-tendered and went back to the White Sox for like two or three million. So he's still looking for the big payday, and and I think that he he deserves it. And it's just going to be a matter of 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 you know risk mitigation from a team that that believes that like, I mean, the ceiling of his, of his is, is, is up there with Robbie Ray. I mean, it is right. I mean, it's, it's obviously he's not going to get anywhere close to Robbie Ray because he didn't have as, as complete of a season, but as a younger guy, as a left-hander who's throwing this stuff, is that good? Like it's, it's right up there. So kind of, kind of the same thing as Baez, uh, where I could imagine a team falling in love with him and then really, and really giving him uh you know, a multi-year deal. But it's it's going to be really interesting, and, and and that's why he's so high on this list for us. Obviously, yeah. it's because he's one of our favorite people in baseball, but also um, just because it's it's a it's a risk. I mean, he it has been a lot of injuries, but damn, was he freaking unbelievable when he and was pitching this year? A lot of players have variants about the teams. He has variants in the contract as well, right? And I think that's relatively rare amongst like he could get one and he could get four. And I would be like, oh, yeah, okay. Uh, anywhere but the Angels. Okay, at number six, Chris <laughs> Bryant. Anywhere but the Angels. Chris Bryant Chris has accomplished Bryant. everything that you could ask a baseball player to accomplish in the world of Major League Baseball. He is, uh, three years ago, he seemed like he was due for the Buster Posey track. 
of accomplishing everything early, playing on the same team for a long time, and just kind of riding into the sunset on the way to a Hall of Fame career. He's hit some bumps in the road from a production standpoint. He has certainly tailed off over the last few seasons, traded to the Giants during the trade deadline. And he hits the market as kind of an odd player because now he can play center field competently, but the bat is not as impactful as it once as it once was. And I think you would say that his peak is probably behind him. That being said, if there's any team who could maybe turn a uh, player in his you know, late 20s, early 30s into a beast again, it's the San Francisco Giants. So what do you make of Chris Bryant's free agency? Yeah, I think the fact that he played, I mean, pretty even split this year. I mean, he played, uh, let's see, he played 26 games. I mean, oh, I guess for the whole season. I mean, he was at 93 games in the outfield, 55 games at third base. Uh, he played all three outfield spots. And, you know, it's weird to compare him to Chris Taylor, but I, I know Chris Taylor can play shortstop. What a world. But, you know, what if you year- told me that? What if you told me that in 2015? Right. <laughs> it's like giving Chris Taylor a very, very similar situation. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think he is, he doesn't, like we said, he's already accomplished everything. Uh, he seemed like a perfect fit in San Francisco. I just, I, and San Francisco has very quietly a ton of money to spend. Part of that is Posey retiring, part of that is declining Quitter's option. Um, but do they believe that, that Bryant is, do they still see the upside of, of Bryant or, or do they, cause he's going to be expensive and, and he should be, he deserves to be, he, he's been building towards this free agency. This has been a long, a long awaited and delayed free agency as we know, uh, because of how, you know, the Cubs handled it earlier in his career. And so I think he's going to want to find a place that, that fits. I, I don't really see him. I know, I know that, that, that the Mets, you know, at one point were, seemed like an obvious fit. I, I, I don't really see him as he seems like a pretty heavy West coast dude. Um, I know he fit in Chicago, but that's why I just feel like he he would stick in uh, in San Francisco. But yeah, man, it's just like, what is the next chapter of Chris Bryant? Like, is he just going to go sign with some team that wants to be like, holy shit, we have Chris Bryant? Like, like the, I don't know, the Tigers. I'm just throwing, I know Tigers Korea, Tigers Korea, but it's like, if the Tigers wanted to bring in, you know, the credibility is like, boom, Chris Bryant, we're just going to give him $180 million. Then I could just see him kind of going there and just kind of like going through the motions. <laughs> but like, I don't know. I still think he's really good. I'm a little worried about the bat, but he showed enough to me this year that I think he can still be a really good player, especially with the defensive versatility. The defensive versatility really raises the floor, where if the bat is merely good and not, you know, there was a great line in the uh, fan graphs right up of him. He has moved from the player who starts all-star games to one who finishes them. And I think if he's finishing all-star games, that's still a player worth having on your team. Um, and again, experience. I'm all in on experience. So For sure. For sure. Chris Bryant. Keep it going. All right, number five, Justin Verlander. Remember him? Remember him? Um, the last we saw of Justin Verlander in 2020, he got pulverized by the Seattle Mariners. But if you rewind it a little bit further to 2019, uh, he won the Cy Young. So the last time he pitched a full season, he was the Cy Young. He There was a he workout was so yesterday. Good. He dude, was so good. It, 19, it wasn't dude. like, oh, you know, a bunch of good, like, dude, he was unbelievable that season. And this, remember, ball was still super juiced that year, and he did give up a ton of home runs. But besides giving up, it was either giving up a home run or giving up nothing. That was Justin Verlander uh, in 2019. Um, and yes, he is 38. Uh, he will be 39 uh, in February. But... I mean, and I know, okay, oh, Justin Verlander threw for scouts, so he has a qualifying offer from the Astros. He threw for scouts Can I ask you a question? Uh, Can I ask you a question? Yeah. 
through for scouts. Okay. The report was like 95, 96. What report could you have gotten from that, uh, that session where you would have changed your perspective on him? If he was 91, 92, or if he was 98, 99, maybe there's literally nothing that I could have. If he was 87, 89 at this point in his rehab, I would be a little concerned. But other than uh, that, it there's very that, there's, few that could have come nothing out. I could have heard. Yeah. All those oh teams show he looked good, he looks ready. Oh, and then and then all the teams like leaking like we had a guy there, we had a guy there, we had a guy there. I'm like fucking great. I hope so. I mean, like, wouldn't you? You have nothing else to do. Why wouldn't you go watch Justin Verlander in November? <laughs> like, there's no excuse to not go see him. Like, I don't understand. So anyway, second, let me do something quickly. Verlander uh, MLB Trade Rumors article. Verlander showcase draws scouts from 15 to 20 teams. Control F Orioles. Uh, no, nothing. Okay, you can keep going. <laughs> so okay, well maybe they're a little bit out of his price range. Uh, Justin Verlander. If there's anything we know about Justin Verlander is that he knows and thinks he's the shit. And because of that, he is going to want uh, a lot of money. He is also on the record saying he wants to pitch till he's 45. I don't know if that means he would like take a four-year deal or ask for a four-year deal. Um, but I would imagine that one of the really good teams with money is just going to throw like 25 million at him with a team option and just kind of call it a day. And I think that would be a very worthwhile gamble because I think he's going to be awesome. Yeah, I mean, if you want to, of every single free agent pitcher, likelihood that like ranking in next year's Cy Young voting, he's number two. <laughs> right, that's a great He's number two to... behind Scherzer. Like he's a, I would rather have him next season than Robbie Ray. Yeah. Right? Which I know, I know some people say, oh, you don't know what's going on. Like I, I will have, just based on what we last saw of him, man. <laughs> again, compare him. Okay, I made this point. Compare him to Syndergaard, who's not on our list. Um, who's 10 years younger than Justin Verlander. And also whole decade, you would say, oh, well, what Syndergaard? I mean, he's still in his prime. He's still also thrown really hard. Syndergaard has not never even looked remotely close to as good as Justin Verlander did in 2019. Um, and maybe Syndergaard will be good and he'll come back and he'll throw it. But like, give me Verlander. That's an easy call. And yeah, I probably would take him over basically everyone else. Uh, not named Scherzer. And uh, if he's 80% of the pitcher he used to be, then he's still like a top 30 pitcher in baseball. He's still right. probably better than Syndergaard. All right. Uh, number four. <laughs> number four, next? Jorge Soler. Long here. Jorge Ooh, Soler. Jorge Soler. Yeah. Heard of him. So, Soler, World Series MVP. Halfway through the season at the All-Star break, he was last in Fangraph's war. Literally last. He was the worst player in baseball by Fangraph's at negative 1.5 wins above replacement. He was the fifth worst qualified hitter. He what was a he worse at? hitter he, yeah. by WRC plus at that point than Elvis Andrews. Okay. <laughs> he was absolutely abysmal from an output perspective. Gets traded <laughs> over the second half of the season. His 139 WRC plus was better than Jordan Alvarez, better than Marcus Semyon, better than Rafael Devers. It was a tale of two seasons. And because of that, there was no one on the market with more volatility uh, amongst hitters than this guy. Like, Solaire also finished the year at negative 0.2 uh, Fangraphs war. Um, 130th out of 132 qualified hitters. So I would designate but, him a hitter even. Yes. But like, again, we obviously, we saw what he did not just in the World Series, but even just generally in the second half. Clearly, he's not offering very much defensive value, but okay, we've made the point about the DH hopefully coming uh, to, to all leagues universally across the world. Um, 
and I just and he's only you know he's he's twenty nine. I guess he'll, he turns thirty in February. Uh, but I I just I'm fascinated to see if anyone will give him multiple years uh, because. <laughs> Boy, does it look good when it's right. And boy, was it not good when it was not right. Um, because very simply, you could say, hey, he was the third worst qualified hitter in the league this year, even with the good second half. Uh, but on the other hand, he uh, you know, left, left us with the, the indelible memories of three epic World Series home runs. Um, and it's not like, okay, well, what did, what did Steve Pierce sign for? I know that was a little different. Okay, well... <laughs> Didn't he retire? Steve Pierce retired, Jordan. Uh, Steve Pierce he? won the World Series MVP and then showed oh, up in 19. Played. I guess he played for one more year in 19. And then yeah, I think he, he like 19. bounced. Like he didn't make halfway it through the year. So. Um, the name that comes to my mind is Marco Scudero, who took over the 2012 postseason with the Giants and then earned a, I believe it was a three-year, $18 million contract with a team option. And now, granted, that was at age 37, uh, and he had never been as good as uh, Soler has been in his career. But there is certainly a boost that comes along with being the postseason guy. Some owner will call the GM and be like, I want that guy who won the World Series MVP um, on our team, the guy who one time led the league in home runs. That will boost his market. I think someone will give him multiple years. I wouldn't even be shocked if someone gave him three years, especially if they can DH him. Um, I just want to say, fascinating. Yeah, I just want to say Scudero, you know, in retrospect, so right, NLCS MVP in, in 2012, they win the World Series. He was an all-star in 2013, and then I guess he just got injured or just completely fell off a cliff and then played five games in 14 and didn't play the last year of his contract. So, I don't know. Still, I mean, they still sort of got something out of it, but very different. I mean, he's seven years older, you know, it's a very different situation. But, um, yeah, I mean, I just, I can't wait to see it. because and, and by the way, I mean, you could say the same thing about Rosario and Jock and Duvall, but I mean, I, I think those guys, it's it's not it's not as it's not as intriguing. Like those guys are probably all gonna get one year contracts. Maybe Duval could get a second year, but all those other guys, even Rosario, are just gonna get solid one year deals again with average teams, in my opinion. All right, let's move to the top three. Now we're going pretty long here, so we can we can we can speed this up. But we go to Marcus Semyon, number three. Marcus Semyon is going to enter the market with the most fuck you pay me energy of anyone here uh, after he was left without a qualifying offer last year. We know oh, he struggled in the 50 games 2020. A's were like, mm, we're poor, sorry. Uh, but even though, okay, let's move the A's out of the equation. They'll give him the qualifying offer. He still only gets one year, 18 million from Toronto. And he was unflipping believable. Uh, this year, it's the most homers ever by a second baseman. He is going to finish third in the MVP, and he is fantastic. And he just won the Gold Glove at second base, where he had never played really. Uh, and he's an amazing baseball player. So he's going to come in and be like, "Yo, y'all thought I wasn't that good. Well, in your face, please give me a lot of money." And he just hired Boris too. So he deserves it. He is awesome. He is probably top of the "I want the Mariners to sign him" list, and I can't wait to see what he gets paid. Because he deserves it. He's going to get paid an amount of money where people who don't necessarily follow baseball a lot or, you know, understand the economics of baseball are going to be like, $220 million for Marcus <laughs> Simeon? Yeah. Why did you get Chris Bryant? Be, Whatever. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? that much. Like, he, I think he could get more money than Bryant. And I think... Uh, I Okay. He's so a little older. I, I will say, so 
remember DJ LeMayhew, who is obviously not look good. He got five ninety. I think Semyon's easily clearing that. Like, well, easily clearing that. He I don't only know got five years because of the luxury tax stuff. But yeah, I think it's gonna be. Oh, that's true. But still, ninety million. Like, I think he's. It's gonna be like something like five one thirty or something. Um, which for his I age think and, more. I think more. I think you hire Boris and you finish third in the MVP, and you you can take twenty twenty out of the equation. Over the last, you know, if you take 19 and 21 together, he's been a top 10 player in baseball. And I, I think I would, whatever you set the number at, I'll take the over on him. And I, I, I think he's worth it. I think he's a phenomenal player. Uh, there was a great article that a uh, friend of the pod, Bradford William Davis, wrote about the human side of small sample size in the 2020 season about Semyon. And it was just clear that, you know, we say this about anybody, but this wasn't right in 2020, weird year, throw it out the window. He's he's really 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 phenomenal, and he can run. He's like a top. He's like eighty seventh sprint speed guy, which helps I think him more on defense than it does on the basis. But he did still fifteen bases this year, which is not nothing. So the other, I just uh, you know our, our good friend Kyler McDaniel when he was throwing out some comps, you know a year and a half older, real Muto, but real Muto's a catcher. He got five one fifteen. Springer, who we just saw, got six one fifty at the same age as a center fielder. I think that's about that's about yeah. right. I think he'll end up between 140 and 160 would be my guess for for Simeon. Would you rather have him or Bryant? Just all things considered, him. Yeah, definitely Simeon. Yeah, hmm. um, I assume Bryant's contract will be a little bit longer, but um, yeah, I would rather have Simeon. All right, let's move to number 40, two. 45 home runs and 15 steals in a season is very very impressive. It is a you know. I, I guess he and Semyon did it this year, but there've only been 11 guys, or he and Otani did it this year, excuse me. There've only been 11 guys to do this uh, this century. So nothing to sneeze at. Uh, let's go to number two. Who's number two? Number two, uh, Max Scherzer. Mad Max. If the aliens showed up tomorrow and they said, we're going to destroy humanity um, if you don't beat us in this baseball game. And if you assume that Jacob deGrom was unavailable that day, because as is, then I would take Max Scherzer to start that game, even though he had his own injury troubles down the stretch. I do think it is notable that like Max Scherzer, Mad Max guy, took himself out of that playoff game. He must have really had quite a dead arm. It's twice that he's done this now. I think it's a good sign that he knows his body. And it's not like he was sleepwalking down the stretch for the Dodgers. Like He was outstanding. Oh, for them no. after being I think traded. Max clearly knows like everyone assumes that like every everyone thought oh why does he oh he doesn't want to tough it out it's like well if he knows he can't be Max Scherzer he's not going to do it <laughs> like he's he's going to he's going to set his own limits um and I mean I would assume also maybe probably thinking about this winter too right not trying to get more injured going into his age 37 or 38 season so yeah he's fascinating I mean I he's I think th- to me uh, is is so you're gonna have to set. I mean, yeah, he'll just he'll, you know obviously he's gonna if you just give, show him the money, great. But like you're gonna have to convince Max Scherzer that like we're we're all we're going to win the World Series this year. Like he's not he's not going to a middle of the pack team. I I, I just don't believe that. Um, he's gonna go somewhere that is gonna convince him, like, no, we're really, really, really trying to win. Not just like we're trying to be a good team, like we're trying to freaking go for it. Um, because that's just him. I think and, the Dodgers uh, have I, a pretty good shot to bring him back because of that. I would I would say 50-50 shot he comes back there. I think he everything I've heard is that he enjoyed being there. Um, that being said, you know, 
I do think he's going to go to a contender. Tigers. Back to the Tigers. tigers. Everyone's just saying Everyone the, tigers. the Tigers. Tigers. The Tigers. Let's go to our number one player who's totally going to sign with the Tigers. Carlos Correa. No way. Um, I just want to say that my first point about this is it is so incredible the degree to which we lazily connect players to teams. It is incredible. And maybe Carlos Correa will sign with the Tigers. But it takes so little at the beginning of free agencies. This is true in every sport where it's like, oh, he's from there. Oh, he played for, he knows the manager. Gotta happen. Lock it in. He's obviously going. We take the smallest shreds of connections and we decide they are going there. There is no doubt in my mind. Photo of Aaron Judge in a Red Sox hat in college. Free agency can Lock it in. He did wear a Red Sox hat once. So while I think that the Correa to Detroit buzz is not crazy, but also weird that we are now just throwing our hands up and saying, oh, well, he's going to be on the Tigers, is a little goofy. Carlos Correa is still our number one player, and he is the number one player in the market because he is amazing. And he is he knows he's amazing, and he knows that this is, like, he understands his his place, his role his character in the world, in the, you know, baseball cinematic universe. And uh, I can't wait to see what the next chapter of Carlos Correa is because if he does go to Detroit and thinks that he can, you know, be the face of their team and carry them into the next minute of contention, that that will be intriguing in its own right. If he goes to the Yankees, that's, and I don't need to explain why that is amazing and hilarious. And I also think totally realistic. Uh, but then it's just like, all right, how many other teams are going to give this dude 350? million dollars because it does seem like maybe a short list i think he like you said he works best as the villain so in my mind mets yankees phillies is a fun fit for him places where he can go and be despised by the rest of the league and beloved by his own fans now for the record i think he's absolutely gone from houston everything we've heard is that they're letting him walk yeah, I'd well, and they, they offered him the, what was it, 5, 160 or He was like, hell. LOL, like, okay. okay. He's literally going to get double that, so good luck. <laughs> um, so that's goofy, and he's probably gone from there, and that's fine. Everything he talked about, it kind of knows that he's fine, and he's moving on. Um, even though, like, I could totally argue that, like, um, no Houston, like, if you really, like, that is the best use of your money is to keep Carlos Correa around. You could totally argue that, but it doesn't seem like that's what's going to happen. And so, yeah, I but it it does presumably limit him because he is, I think, going to get the biggest contract as he deserves. And uh, it is, although I will also say he does not have Boris. I think he's with WME. He doesn't, he's not with an agency that has like a huge um, group of players that we have like precedents of being like, oh, you know, Casey Close got on this guy, Dan Lozano. He's did this contract. Um, so I'm curious if maybe there's just some interesting elements of the contract, whether that's an opt-out situation, whether that's a shorter deal than we think. Like, I don't know. I, I think anything's on the possible on the deal. Whereas like with Boris, we just know, okay, he's just going to get him a gigantic pile of money for a gigantic number of years. And I think we don't know that for sure in this case because of the agency. Uh, if you are a team, a fan of a team uh, in the mix for Korea, you should want him. Uh, 2017 is a long time ago. He said some annoying things in the aftermath of that. He is going to make your team exponentially better, and you will probably be in October sooner rather than later. Jordan, we went a little bit long on this. Those were our top 15 most interesting, intriguing uh, free agents that we're excited about. Before we say goodbye to you, the listener, we have to say goodbye to Buster Posey, who announced his retirement. Uh, goodbye, Buster Posey. Jordan, what is, let's just quickly, one thing you will remember. What will you remember Buster Posey for? 
Uh, you know, we talk a little about Chris Bryant achieving everything there is to achieve in baseball, and Posey did that and more. He was essentially the perfect baseball player um, with a perfect baseball name on a perfect baseball team, uh, and he got to go out on top. Uh, it is a a flawless career and one that I am very lucky to have said that I uh, watched uh, Buster Posey play baseball. He seemed very at peace with himself and his decision, which I respect and I commend him for. I will remember uh, him changing the catcher rule at home um, after he was crushed on that play. I will by, remember the insurance commercial by a Chris Coglin. I believe it was Scott Cousins. I will fact check that. Scott R- Cousins. Wrong, wrong Marlon. No, I think you're right. Anyway, go ahead. That was not a bad guess. Uh, I will also remember him for the insurance commercial where he was like wearing his catcher's gear in the delivery room and was delivering a baby. And it was like, wow, I can't believe they got Buster Posey to do that. That seems like something he wouldn't do. Yes, he uh, he is an, an amazing player. And, you know, you could say, oh, is this it, it did go out perfectly. He was arguably the best catcher in baseball this year. Uh, I know the Giants came up a little bit short, but it was it was very cool to see him back back on top after opting out of 2020 and to show us like, hey, I'm still the shit. And now I'm going to leave you wanting more. We're 26 years old. We have been seriously following baseball, I think, since 2010, 2011. And the two moments this offseason that are making me feel old are Buster Posey, who I remember his rookie of the year very fondly uh, retiring and Carlos Correa, who I remember reading his scouting reports on baseball prospectus in college reaching free agency. Those are the two moments. Look, I, I know we're young. Right, like high school. We're talking yeah. like the high school. Bingo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now now I'm like, oh, okay. I'm I'm getting up there, man. Might be time to settle <laughs> down. You know what I mean? Uh, yes. So congrats to Buster Posey. Um, and also just like that's a huge, I mean, good for him. Like go be retired. But like that's a big freaking deal for the 2022 Giants. And uh, they are going to look very different next year. Uh, and Farhan is definitely someone I'm, I'm intrigued. We just won executive of the year. Of course he did. Uh, very intrigued to see. Um, well, by, by the way, far on winnings, I don't know when they vote on that. Very funny because everyone's like, Anthopolis, 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 Anthopolis. But maybe they vote on that before the season. So who knows? When are the Nats going to honor Buster Posey's retirement, do you think? Uh, when are the Nats going to honor Buster Posey's Yeah, like retirement? on the last, they did a Vila. Like, are they going to do, in Zimmerman, like, are they going to do Posey? <laughs> yeah, they should invite Posey back um, next year. Everyone's like, what? Uh, okay. Sure, dude. I also kind of think that Buster Posey is in the category of could kind of disappear. I don't really yeah. see him sticking around much. Um, just fine. Good. Go live your life, dude. You're a freaking beast. Uh, all right. Uh, we ran really long, but hey, it's off season. You guys have nothing else to do, but listen to Baseball Barbecue. Thank you for listening. Any final thoughts on this podcast, Jake Mintz? Any, we're not going to talk about the awards. If you're thinking, oh, God, you so I can't believe Matt Olson didn't win the gold. Who cares? Like, Mariners fans, I love you. Oh, my God, J.P. Crawford, how could he lose? Like, these awards are imperfect. There are more than one deserving player. It, it, it's fine. It's okay. We're, we're all going to be all right. Um, that's my gold glove day. <laughs> I have nothing I else to say. I honestly like when new people love, win the gold glove. I, I have no more baseball thoughts for, for the week. Bye, everyone. Well, we, know that's, we know that's not true. But thank you for listening. Thank you to Bobby Wagner and Mike Wargon for producing this here podcast. And we will be back uh, next week after Jerry DePoto has traded for Byron Buxton. All right. See ya.
This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like, can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans and Empower What's Next. Start today at Empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. If you're busy like me and you're trying to catch your kids' games, it's important to have somewhere where you can go to find a good hotel. We're all over the place. Sometimes, you know, we're in Florida, we'll be in New York, we want to take the wife on a quick vacation and get away. Whether you're looking for a relaxing getaway or heading out of town to see the playoffs, Hotels.com app has a perfect hotel for every trip. Compare up to five hotels side by side so you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings without having to switch back and forth between options. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. 